Yo, what is up guys? Our guest today was a very special one. His name is Alex Clark. He's a good friend of ours and he started working while he was in high school at 16 years old. He went on to start his own business by the time he was out of high school and then he actually went on to sell that business for over a, somewhere close to a million dollars. Alex is a good friend of ours. We actually sold him one of his first rental properties. He went on to buy a lot more rental properties, started a successful real estate wholesaling business. Now he primarily focuses on buying businesses. We're going to talk about all of that in the podcast. Listen to this one. <laughs> How we met Alex was actually we sold him a duplex and uh, yeah. and a single family home. It was oh yeah, it was. there's three properties. So yeah, welcome to the show, Alex. Well, thank you guys for having me. I think it was the worst property I think I ever <laughs> bought from you guys. <laughs> we still have it today, uh, but uh, that one ended up in a lawsuit, and we're we're actually uh, um, just about to settle that finally. But you're gonna so, make money on it, right? Yeah, a year and a half later. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. see, it wasn't the worst deal ever. The worst deals are the ones that you don't make money on. That's right? true. Yes. Yeah. Well, sweet. So yeah, we're super excited to have him on. And uh, one time we were actually at the bottom of Alex's basement and he has a podcast room because his brother does podcasts. And we talked about doing this. And uh, yeah, so the first question that I got for you, Alex, did you go to college? No, I barely barely uh, graduated high school, actually. I, um, I tried very hard to get a D minus all the way through high school. If I, uh, if I had any higher than a D, I was pretty disappointed because I was trying too hard. I just, um, I had started portable welding when I was a sophomore in high school. So my focus was anywhere but school at any time. So, um, I, I really didn't care about it then. And I guess it still worked out for me, but, um, I didn't know there was, there was many people I didn't go to college and was successful. I was just determined to, to do that. And um, so school was never really important to me. I feel like I could have stopped going to school at eighth grade and be in the same spot. Dude, that's, <laughs> that's, that's hilarious because I've literally said the exact same thing. was like literally I was just like, dude, if I stopped at eighth grade, I got the algebra, I'm good. That's how the Amish guys do it. They, they, they survive. <laughs> that's true. They work really freaking hard too, it seems yeah. like though. But. Yeah, but they have a lot of stuff. I mean, they, they have really nice houses and stuff. Maybe that's they, true. They've they got it figured out. They build them all up. <laughs> well, yeah, you just need to have the different strategy. and uh, But I, I really don't think you need to go to school much longer than eighth grade, honestly. And, you know, you so unless you have a specific, like you want to go be a doctor or a lawyer or something particular, I, I, I think it's crazy to, to spend much more time in, in school than that. So I've been trying to tell Andrew this. And I want him to hear it from ATC. Andrew's one of our acquisitions guys. Yeah, Andrew is our newest acquisitions guy. He's in high school. I told him, I was like, dude, I think you should drop out. <laughs> what do you think about that? Man, uh, like, if I were to go back, I wouldn't be scared of dropping out of high school. But there's something about it. Maybe it's just because cult, the, the culture and the it, it's like – such a stigma to at least graduate high school, I guess, that it makes you feel like, yeah, you probably should graduate high school. Um, I also don't really like being the guy to like, oh, hey, drop out of high school, and then right. it doesn't work out. Yeah, now you're now like, they're oh, like, gosh. yeah, this guy probably school would have been better for him, or so you know, go be a nurse or something. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
I don't know if I'd recommend it to someone, but <laughs> you're like for me, it was great. Back, Somebody yeah. Else. If I went back in time, I would probably drop out of high school. I would. I would have done the same thing. I would have literally, uh, probably, I would have been good at, at the eighth grade, and I think, uh, yeah. I think I would have been happy. What about you? Well, do you think that school is good for the general population? Yeah, I think that's kind of a different, um, a different conversation because. Um, the general population, like the people that aren't super motivated, like if you're just going to drop out of high school and go do nothing, then you should probably just stay in high school and, and do all that stuff. Should you go to college then? If you were just going <laughs> to drop out and do a bunch of nothing? That's that's more of a, uh, I think, a, a culture problem than a than like a school necessarily. But with, with people the way they are now as far as the lack of motivation and, and like, how many people just want to try and live without doing any, like the minimalistic people that have no goals or ambitions, they're hard to motivate and they're hard. So like, I would think that they might be better off going to college, maybe maturing more and doing and like finding a different, um, that was so finding safe. where they, that was so safe. You're like, I think that like, maybe they should go to college, but <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if it's the right thing, but like, maybe, but like, maybe not. Or like yeah. trade school or like something. You yeah. think that higher education, yeah. like government regulated higher education is important for society? I think the way people's mindsets are now, yes. But if everyone, in my opinion, had the right mindset, then I don't think it would be necessary. I like it. So, you talked a little bit about it already, but how the heck did you get started in buying businesses? You said you started off with, uh, you know, welding. How'd you get started in that, and then how did you transfer from that to buying other ones? Oh yeah, and, and uh, doing wholesaling. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get to the wholesaling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was way later, right? You went bam, bam, bam. <laughs> yeah, I've done a lot of stuff by now, but um, so when I was in high school, I was like the the country boy, the the guy that was always on farms doing that kind of stuff. So a lot different than what I do now, but um, I thought that was cool. I thought working with my hands was cool and all that stuff. And so from a really young age, I always found ways to work for myself. I never would have described myself as an entrepreneur. It was just kind of what I did. Um, so we started out snow plowing with, uh, you know, we had four wheelers that had snow plows on them and stuff like that. We would go and, and snow plow people's driveways and then cut up firewood and sell it and that sort of thing. So, um, but one day I was out on our, on our tree line cutting a fence or cutting a uh, tree down and the farmer that was on the other side right there, um, he was out cutting up cause he had some that was falling onto his field and we started talking and then turns out he owned or he's a, uh, he had a metal fabrication shop back at his house. And it was like a two-man shop, really wasn't that big of a metal fabrication guy, but he'd been doing it for like 50 years. And one, one thing led to another, and we hauled some wood back to his house. I ended up helping him out, and then we went to lunch, and then I was like, man, I kind of want to learn this metal fabrication stuff. So after that, we kind of built a relationship from there, and I just started showing up at his house the next morning of like, hey, I... It wasn't a job. It was. It was like a, it was a uninvited internship. Like I just showed up and was like, "What do you need help with?" And, How old was this guy? Oh, he was like seventy when I started. He just didn't yeah. care. No, he was. I mean, 
he liked me enough, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. He, he had a little bit of a temper with a lot of people, but if he didn't make him mad, he was a great guy. I would think that showing up at his house uninvited might make somebody <laughs> mad. Like, dude, what the But I was showing up to help him. Work, like, I'm, right? I'm yeah. showing up to work on, on, yeah. on his stuff. So, and um, you were 16, 15? How old were you? Oh, I was just starting. I was in, let's see, eighth grade. Okay. So how old are 14, you when you're in eighth grade? I think yeah. 14. Yeah, 14, something 14, like yeah. that. Yeah. So um, I would drive my four wheeler to his house just to kind of show up and. And one thing led to another. I was there all summer, and um, he was getting rid of his portable welder. And I've obviously been there long enough now. Um, <clears throat> he kind of got to the point where he was starting to offer a job to kind of work for him, and wasn't super interested in that. Um, I just really liked doing the metal fabrication stuff, and he did a lot of portable welding too. And so he sold his portable welder, and I was like, "Hey, can." Uh, can I buy that and like anything you don't want to do just send it to me and we'll we'll do that and so that's how I got started doing it um bought that guy's giant freaking portable welder like 10 times the size of a welder that I ever would have needed <laughs> um to do anything so <clears throat> um started doing that and then by the time that happened I, I was a sophomore in high school and uh and I just kind of took off from there I was doing all kind anything I could do to working for farmers fixing gates or I got into some heavier industry stuff. So did you end up having to buy the business from him then? No. He just gave it to you. No, I bought the welder from him and then I started my own business. Oh, so it was gotcha. just it was just like buying okay. a welder to start any other yeah. Gotcha. So I didn't buy his business. It was um this one I started completely from scratch and this this kind of goes into why I, I like buying businesses now. Um so I worked extremely hard like 18 hour days i would do portable welding jobs and sleep in the sleep in the truck and you worked at a fire the fireplace too after right that's later that's later (laughs) too i wasn't at the fire department yet (laughs) either but um so this was i was i was just in high school and just did portable welding at this time and i would do any job i could go anywhere um i really wouldn't tell anybody no if i could make money doing it um and I did that until I was like a senior. And then my senior year, I had a lot of customers now that were in like pile driving equipment and um, more of like the aggregate industry where it's heavier equipment. And I was only doing portable welding still. And the customers were very much like, hey, if you had a shop, we would, we would send a lot of um, metal fabrication work to you. And uh, help there you don't know what you're doing with your own, <laughs> your own stuff <laughs> with my mic. Um, so they were like if you had a shop we would send a lot of work to you and I was like okay cool I'll do that so I started leasing a building and had um, had a couple uh, part-time employees working for me as I was graduating high school like the last couple months I was still still had some still had a shop with employees and then I'd Go there in the morning and was like, "All right, guys, here's what we're doing. I got to go to school, and I'll be back later." <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, um, but I mean, they were mostly part-time employees, and you know, they worked other jobs and did that sort of thing. But they were still employees. Did still anybody a- talk crap to you? Like, I like, did. Oh man, when you're 18, managing people that are 40 is a whole nother conversation. Like that. That is a challenging thing yeah. to do. I mean, there's there. I've had people that are like, "Man, I've been doing this longer than you've been alive." Right. Uh, what do you? Why are you telling me what to do? 
And I'm like, well, you came and worked for me. Like, I hired you. You know I was 18 when you started. Why is it a problem now? Right. And then they would still ask a question later, and I'm like, wait, I thought you did this longer than I've been alive. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm thinking thinking about, like, if Andrew was just like, all right, uh, like, I'm going to tell you guys how to drive. Like, dude, what are you talking about, bro? Yeah, but you didn't agree to that. Like, you didn't go to him and, like, hey, I want to work for you. Yeah. True. And all these people did. I mean, yeah. they had to fill out an application. They went through an interview with me and everything. So, That's like, awesome. they knew I was 18, but eventually, I don't know if it's resentment or yep. if they didn't like the way I did stuff, which I'm sure there was. When you're managing a business at 18, I'm sure there's a lot of complaints people could oh, have about yeah. you. So Anything you do, they're going to be like, dude, I don't know why we're doing this. But yeah. I think you get that no matter what. But, yeah, especially if you're <clears> young. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, managing older people is a, is a really challenging thing when you're 18 <clears throat> but we got through it we did all right um there was a lot of turnover in that business and that's probably you know management skills were definitely not there at the time that's a that is a whole nother skill that is underrated is managing people yeah. um and that definitely i didn't have that um so anyway as i was going um we started doing in-house metal fabrication stuff. And then the best way to word it is that's when it started spiraling out of control. I think it's like, (laughs) that's when everything just kind of blew up like crazy. I graduated high school, was able to work full time doing it. Um, And then we had probably, there was one time we had 25 employees. Um, We were uh, buying another building, which was kind of the intro to real estate for me because when we were we needed to grow out of this lease building we got into this um this building that we bought which is a pretty crazy story of itself but um anyway it got to a pretty good size and then i was like yeah well this this sucks managing this many employees and it sucks uh the industry i turned out i did not like being a business owner of particularly so i i really wanted to sell that business and um that was that was the first business that I really sold and that really opened my eyes to why people sell businesses. Yep. So how long did you actually like, you know, own it for then? So I did it from what's so it'd be about seven years. Seven years? Holy smokes. I didn't know it was that long. I thought it was like four. But so, I started when I was a sophomore still. Right. So I, you, yeah. you started when you were sixteen. And yeah, then you sold you, it when you were... Were you even able to, to buy or incorporate a business when you are 16? Or did you have to go through your dad? Or, like, how did how did that work that you ended up being able to have the rights to own and own a company? That's a really good question. Um, Cash. Yeah. <laughs> that's the answer, really. And that's what I did. I don't know what you can do legally. Um, but most of what I was doing at that time, anyway, was just cash all off the, all off the books, anyway. And... So right when I turned 18 is actually when I formed the LLC for it. So everything else was just in my name before that. But I had to file my own tax return and stuff. Wow. I, there, was, there was companies that would uh, send me 1099s or, you know, stuff like that. So wow, um, that's a good question. It's something I really didn't care about then. I didn't know that stuff was important yet. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, it doesn't matter. I do, awesome. I do something and they pay me for it and that's it. IRS, what are they? Like, <laughs> yep. Um, so did you put, how much money did you like actually put into the business of your own like capital then? Well, um, not too much initially. I mean, 
What'd you buy the machine for? Like thirty five hundred bucks. Okay. Yep. And then everything else was like per job, which it's easy to spend money when it's like, oh, I need to buy five grand worth of material to do a fifteen thousand right. dollar job. Like, Sorry, that's, sold. Yeah, that's that to me is hardly risky. Like that's just right. what you need to do. But um, yeah, that's that was really all the initial money that was put into it until I was in high school. Uh, or I'm, I mean, graduated high school. We didn't put any more money into the business. What'd you put into it after high school? Yeah, I mean, it gets a little fuzzy trying to remember back because I wasn't the financial guy that I am now of like really keeping track of everything. Books. Yeah, it was yeah. just kind of like whatever's needed. Um, just a guesstimation. Yeah, I want to say I put in a total of ten grand or so okay. initially, and then and then I started borrowing money. I had right. enough stuff to to borrow money at that point, and that's when it. It's another turning yeah. point where things get out of control. Yeah. But um, so what were we just talking about? Just uh, how much money you invested into the company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd say about 10 grand. And then we, we grew a pretty good book of business. And then and then it turned into a different game, which was. When you started borrowing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we started doing work for people that would do like 180 day terms. So in other words, we would get a job, do all the work, pay for the material, do all that stuff. And then we wouldn't, even after it was completed, we sent the invoice for it, the terms were net 180. So we had to wait basically six months to get the funds for it. And the only reason we were really interested in doing that is because no one really did it because who wants to wait six months to get paid for a job? It's not like a, it's not like many other things. Right. And you were paying interest on this money too then, right? Yeah. So that's how I really started figuring out how to make money and really caring about financials because I could tell that no one really wanted to wait 180 days for some of those um, projects. So I figured out, well, I can borrow money at four or 5%. And then I would just factor that into bidding the job that we're going to have to use our line of credit we're going to pay interest on it. We have to front all the material and then we have to wait 180 days. So sometimes it was a year before you'd get paid. Wow. And I just factored all the, like in my bid because it's, it's not a very competitive market. There's not that many people that are willing to really do that. So you would charge a crap load more. So you'd make your normal margin on your job and then you'd basically make money on the finance part of it. And I was making about the same on the finance end of it than I was on the um, uh, doing the actual job itself. <clears throat> and then that's like, man, how can you get rid of like doing the job itself? Because I've got I've got half a million dollars in equipment and 10 employees and all that stuff. Like if you could just do the financial end of it, right. where you have nothing to really worry about, and you still make the same margin like that. Um, that was one of the things that was like, there's something better than just working really hard. Yeah, no question. <laughs> Yeah. So you're seven years in. What, what? So what did you, you ended up selling it, like how long ago was that? Uh, 2019. Okay. And we just sold the assets out of it, and it was it was kind of a flop of a sale. She so didn't uh, actually sell the business, like, hey, this is a running machine. We got this many clients and stuff. You just, like, took the what the actual machines were and parted it out and then paid off your debt? So there was kind of yes to both. Um a competitor ended up buying us, which there's no real value. Like, 
he already had half the customer, half the same customers I already had. We were competing for those jobs. Mm. So he, he didn't have a lot of value in paying for the customer list and doing that sort of thing. I didn't have that many customers that he didn't already have. So at that point, it was just selling the equipment. But mm-hmm. he was, it was the sole, we sold the entire, all the assets to one person. So, gotcha. And then any employees that he wanted, he could he could have and, and do all that stuff. So, wow. Yeah. That's I mean, crazy. So it's kind of it, it, like there's different ways to buy a business, and that would just what I call an asset purchase, yep. where you still get the whole business. You get like it's as if you bought the whole business, but you just paid the, for the assets. Gotcha. So the question that everybody's wondering is what did you sell it for? Ugh, not, not enough. Uh, so when we only had and and truthfully I don't remember exactly um, the assets were only like half a million and then um, we were able to sell some receivables Um, so I mean by the time it was all said and done it was close to a million Okay, and then what was your what was your actual debt on everything that you had to pay off? Probably like three hundred grand. Okay, so you netted you know seven hundred thousand, and your initial investment was what ten thousand? Yeah, but if you want to calculate hours too, I mean that's yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, calculate the hours it's that not I put even into close. it. But in it, it doesn't necessarily because we also had accounts payable. So I mean, if you count that as debt too, it doesn't turn out to be as good as what. That sounds right. right there. So, what do you think you actually made? Like, would you say it was like you know three hundred, four hundred thousand? Um, between three and four, probably. And that was for you know and then, seven years of work. Yeah, yeah. But that's not when I learned. Like, that's when, you know, that business was such a headache for me. Yeah. I just wanted to get out of it. I wasn't trying to make money on getting out of it, and I and I really, in my opinion, didn't make money when you factor in. All the hours. All the free hours you work and the what that really taught me is starting a business absolutely sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we kind of skipped over a part of it while I was growing. I went from like getting started and then went to what we had in it as far as uh, like 25 employees. Well, there was a business that we had bought in the growth there. And I guess that's kind of an important part that we skipped over. But that was when I was like, wait, this guy went through that five to seven years of absolute hell and I bought it for basically nothing. Like, so, and then you get all his customers and his employees and his structure and then you just merge it into yours and then you scale, you just double your business or, you know, grow it by 25% and you don't have to go through that initial pain in the butt. Yep. And that's what opened my eyes to there's there's easier ways to get what I have now than the way that I got it. Right. So that's when it clicked. You're like, all yeah. right, why don't I just take what somebody else already has and then just like build upon that or try to, you know, fix it. Yes. Yeah. And a lot of people and then the other the when I had to sell my business or when I chose to is when I realized why someone would sell their business. Because it absolutely sucks to have twenty five employees and and there's always problems and there's there's just, I would have lost money to walk away from that thing. Like I was done with it. Um, and then, you know, the, the introduction into real estate ultimately came from that too when I was buying that building. Um, so I was, I was buying these buildings 
when we acquired that business, we, we ended up with another building. So I kind of had to learn how to make money with real estate too. And between those two things, I was like, I don't need the metal fabrication business anymore. Like it's, it's, it's not needed to do what I want to do. And that's the biggest headache that I have. So it was, it's a win-win for me. It was like, I, I would have been ahead if I lost money selling that thing. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Because then, now, I would say uh, now you're like uh, you're like I didn't sell it for enough money, but then you're like ah, I would have lost more on it. Too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we had a a com- or uh, not a competitor, a uh, a customer that was interested in buying at one point, and the numbers we were talking with them were into the millions. So, wow. Like just for everything altogether, so. Um, that would have been much more ideal, but yeah. they had multiple. It was a multiple owner situation, and and we didn't get the vote. We didn't get enough votes for them to want to. All the owners weren't on board to sell it or buy it, basically. So, um, wow. But if you wanted to wait and you kept marketing to people like that, you could you could probably sell it for more, you know. Yeah. But uh, I just wanted to be gone you yesterday. So you don't regret yeah. that at all. No, I wish I would have sold it a year earlier, actually. (laughs) Well, you you told me about the profit margins, too. You talked about how you were borrowing money and then the uh, amount of money that you were going to make. And basically, you were saying, like, hey, it looked like on paper we were making, you know, a million dollars, but I was actually only able to keep 80 grand a year. Yeah. Well, there's two big problems with, with those types of businesses. And what I mean by those types of businesses are a lot of cash requirements and a lot, so a lot of assets, a lot of, a lot of really large things in a really competitive area. So large fixed assets, really competitive and a very cash heavy business. Um, that sounds like, that sounds like real estate. <laughs> <laughs> but with real estate, it's all leverage. into fixed assets. Yeah. 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 Um, your expenses are, are, are different. When, yep. you're, when you're running a business, like a, a different kind of business. So um, he asked the question that he's walking out. But yeah, right. I <laughs> <laughs> have to listen to it for the answer. Um, but anyway, should we wait for him or are no. going to keep going? Okay. Yeah, we can keep going. <laughs> All right. Um, so with the profits, what a lot of people don't understand with running a business, especially with accounts receivables. Um, might get it for something. Swap these chairs out. Oh, am I squeaking too much? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, why does he need a new chair? There you go. <clears throat> was I really short before? You can lower it down. I feel like I was. I mean, this feels more normal. I feel like oh, I was okay. really, uh, really low. All right. Um, so anyway. The margins, the cash flow, the kind so of stuff you were talking it. about. <laughs> now it's the handle. Here, now I got it. What are you guys new to this or something? <laughs> um, all right. So the margins, the the running a business like that, you have accounts receivable and you have different ways to do taxes. So you can do an accrual, or you can do it as your cash comes in. So we don't need to get too too in depth into that, but uh, basically, you can make a lot of money on paper, but you could have five, six hundred thousand, all sitting in accounts receivable, 
and if you're if you're filing taxes or you're keeping the books on an accrual basis, you might have to pay tax on the profit of the money that you haven't received yet, basically, in a way. So, uh, like, there could be, say, you're making a hundred grand a month, or let's just say you make a hundred grand a year, and then um, you've got three hundred in accounts receivable, which means someone owes you that money, but you don't have it yet. Um, if the end of the year comes, you have to pay the tax of what you made. Even though you haven't got it. Even though you haven't actually received the check yet. Wow. So. That that actually uh, sounds very similar to real estate as well. Like if you sell something on, um, you know, I think it's land contract. I can't remember if it's land contract or lease option, but I guess if you sell it then you pay the capital gains tax on it even if you haven't received all the money yet and you're going to get it back so you don't pay taxes on it later as you're receiving it but you pay it all up front which is you haven't even received the money yet yeah that's interesting i'm not i i hate land contracts i stay away from those so i don't yeah. really know i don't know how they work exactly well i know how to the, the building that i bought for this business was on a land contract that's a crazy story if you ever want to hear it let's hear uh, it let's so, hear the story of the land contract right, um so I had a I had my eye on a particular building when we were growing this metal fabrication business, and it was just everything that I thought I wanted was this building. Um, and commercial buildings pretty hard to find for what when you're looking for something specific with door height and ceiling height, and you need to fit this much equipment into it and layout, you know, where the doors are and all that stuff. So this building I was really excited about. So I. Uh, just for context, this building is absolutely ran down. Like it looks horrible. Like it looks, the paint's peeling off, the roof leaks, the the gravel, the driveway is all grown up, but it's packed full of crap. It's got a bullpen area in the back, and there's just twenty or thirty cars back there. Like, um, so anyway, I really wanted is this. This is in Cherubusco, or where is this? This is in Huntertown. Okay. Yeah. And so I really wanted this building. It looked like crap. I couldn't find the owner to it because it turns out it was uh, being sold on a land contract. So I was literally, I would, when I was driving home from work, I would make sure that I drove by that building every day because I'm like, someday someone's going to be there. Like, you're going to have to, <laughs> someone has to take care of this at some point. And so sure enough, some of uh, this guy owned a landscaping business and he was out there. Um, or his employees were out there. So I pull in and I'm like, hey guys, do you know who owns this building? I'm trying to talk to them. And they're like, oh yeah, it's this, I don't, we probably shouldn't say his name because this kid's kind of ugly. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, he's like, uh, yeah, he works, or we work for him. And so I get his number from him and I call him. And he was kind of interested in selling. We started, we started talking a little bit. We met up in person and then he's like, uh, no, I'm not going to sell it. There's, you know, he completely backed out of it. But by then I had enough information and I understood what was going on. He was buying it on land contract and this guy wasn't, wasn't the nicest guy on the planet. I, uh, Do we know him? No. Okay. No, no, no. So, uh, I mean, what I mean by that is he would intentionally get services from people with no intention to pay them and then he would like this was his strategy this was his business strategy was basically he would go wherever he could that would give him credit and then he wouldn't pay him so wow. he had 
tons and tons and tons of liens on the property. Oh my gosh. But what I what was weird was it wasn't deeded to him. So they were all this guy's liens, but the land contract was still in the previous owner's name, which I didn't think could really happen. Yeah. But uh, it happens. But it happens. But it's because he had equitable interest in the Correct. property. He has yeah. paid off more than 20%. Typically, it's, it's, there's no set number, but typically it's 20%. Yeah. Um, but. Um, that's what sucks about laying contracts. It's up to a judge to determine if it's equitable interest or not. Yep. I don't. I take all that out of the equation. Just just sell it on a note, get, deed it over to them, and put a note and a mortgage in place. But yep. anyway, so this happened kind of crazy. So turns out he hasn't been paying on this land contract for like two years, and so the 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 people that have the land contract would have to foreclose on him. Because he has equitable interest, you can't evict. Right. You can evict if he doesn't have equitable interest. You have to foreclose, right? Um, am I saying that right? Is that yes. yeah? That's mm-hmm. what I, yeah. So um, he, the owners of the land contract, decided to do nothing because they were like, "Well, we can get the property back," but they thought they'd have all the liens still, and he had like a hundred over a hundred grand of liens on this thing. Wow. When we printed them off, there was like, when the title company sent them to us, there's like two pages of liens oh that were on this gosh. thing. Anywhere from like 2,000 to 30 grand on these. So, um, so we're like, all right, well, we're gonna buy this building. Like this guy just screwing everybody over. He, he like, I didn't really feel bad for him. No one was paying for anything. Um, the, all the utilities have been shut off. There's back taxes on it. Like this guy's just, he can't afford it. He needs to be out of here. And I need this building. Yeah. So um, we went to the owners of the land contract and we offered them a percentage of, of what was the balance on that left. So we owned the, the contents to that land contract. So now we were in. So then I, Jack was like, no, screw you. I don't want anything to do with you. You're a piece of crap. And then I call him in like a couple of weeks and I'm like, hey, uh, Basically, when's when are you gonna make your payment now? Because I bought the land contract from SEC. Or, sorry, oh my gosh! So I bought the land contract from the yeah the yep. person that was selling it, and now he technically this guy has a contract with me. Correct. That's yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, was he pissed? Oh yeah, he was furious, and he kept telling me that's gonna get reversed. That's illegal. You can't do that. My attorney's coming after you. You can't buy a contract? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So um, so I'm like, well, we're either going to – we still didn't want to foreclose on it because it would go to auction. And so I didn't want to take the chance of losing it at auction. Like, imagine going through all this crap and then – Someone, because I need it for myself. It's not like it's an investment. Right. This isn't this this business wasn't or the building wasn't like a real estate investment particularly. It was just because we needed to move our our metal fabrication shop there. So I needed that building. So I didn't want to go to auction, go through all this, go to auction, and then someone outbids me. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that did, would suck. How did you know that you could buy the contract at that point? You know, people ask me this a lot because. I don't know how I was, I don't know how, I mean, I had an attorney, an attorney involved in this, but, um, I think he was just asking questions really like, um, 
okay, well, here's the situation. And then I first, first of all, I was like, can we can get we around buy this the, guy? Yeah, yeah like, you what? just buy it directly from so, them. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I just had to pay for it and learn, learn that way. Cause wow. my, and so he's like, well, you could, if you really wanted to potentially buy the land contract. I was like, oh, cool. So I basically hung up on the attorney and I was like, I'll go call him right now. Like, I, uh, and, and I'm sure they're, I mean, at that point, you would think that they would definitely be all for that because like, they're not going to foreclose. They're just letting it sit there. And like, this has been going on for years. <clears throat> and like, at that point, there's like, all right, screw this thing. You know, like they just want to be done with it too. So really you were doing them a favor by actually getting them any money at that point. Yeah. Looking back at it, I think they were laughing that I offered money for their contract. <laughs> like they, I think I could have bought it for less because they would just want it out of it. Yeah. They didn't know there was a real way out of it. Um, so what'd you buy it for? Well, it gets really fuzzy on what we paid for everything. You're like, dude, when we, you get the uh, liens involved. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. So the land contract, we only paid like 35000 for, something like that. Um, so now we have the land contract. The building's deeded to me now. Because you still own it? No. Okay. No, this is sold when I sold all the, okay, this gotcha. sold in the, in the asset sale. Um, all right, so now I call this this guy now that has the land contract with now me uh and i'm like all right so what are we going to do like you're either going to have to start paying or you're going to get caught up on two years of all this stuff or we're going to start the process of getting rid of you yep. and that's when he was like no this is illegal you can't do this so like okay well what we found out we could do is he's got this like hundred grand worth of okay so i didn't want to go to the foreclosure right so i either had to evict him or i had to for uh, but he had equitable interest, so I couldn't evict him. Well, what we could do is go to the people that have these liens and say there's a $30,000 lien. And I was like, hey, um, you know, this is actually my building now. We're, at, you know, explain to them kind of what's happening. And they're like, and then say, how much will you take for your lien to release it? So, like, for example, there was a guy that released a $30,000 lien for like two grand. So, we actually got thirty percent or thirty grand equity back because we released that thirty thousand dollar lien. You had to do that for every single one. So yeah, I went through, found them all. There was people in Texas. There was people. Yeah. So I called all these people, like the whole two pages, and negotiated all the liens that I could down to paying pen, pennies on the dollar because they just want their, they just want right. paid. They, there's yeah. liens that have been on there for years. Right. And so, well, as we're building equity that way, I. We're spending pennies on the dollar to so if we spent five two grand four grand whatever we would get 30 grand in equity whatever the the value is so then we got to the point where he had less than 20 percent equity in the property and he no longer had equitable interest in the property why did the liens i'm confused on how the liens affect the equity that he has so um yeah that's an interesting thing so the the liens on the property well if you're going to sell it have to be paid. So it's it's like you lose equity if there's a lien on your property. So they were not going based on the purchase price and 80% loan to value there. They're going based on what it's valued at versus what he owes? Yeah, basically. Okay. We're, we're basically buying his debt, essentially, in a way, I suppose. Because we own the property. You can't just pay someone else's lien off and do that, right? But because it was deeded to us, if we released that lien, we, we, we got the equity. Hmm. Was he forgiven of those loans, or did you just get a partial release where 
he was still going to have to owe, like if you negotiated the 30 down to two, is he still going to have to owe the 28? And they just released the lien from that property in particular, and they're like, okay, we're, we're still going to come after you later for this. No, they, they just walked away. Wow. Yeah. But there's liens that have been on there for 10 years. Right. Yeah. I've tried negotiating those too, because a lot of times, you know, when we're buying properties from people, like they'll have liens on them and negotiate. And dude, some of these people, they won't negotiate. And I'm like, you will get nothing. You'll get nothing if we don't do this. And they're like, well, you know, they think that I'm bluffing at this point. And I'm like, guys, I don't think you understand. They're like, well, we don't want the seller to walk away with any money. Otherwise that's not fair to us. I'm like, that is literally the only way they're going to sell this asset that they have is if they walk away with some money. So how much are you willing to accept? But yeah. Yeah. yeah um, there was people that forgot they had a lien on this property. Wow. Yeah. So they were like, great, a thousand bucks. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, crazy. But there was a lot of small ones too. Yep. Um, so anyway, we get to the point where we could evict them. Wow. And then, then we evicted them basically. And then he didn't come destroy the property? No. Um, so after... After we got so far, we ended up he ended up moving peacefully. We didn't have to evict him. So he was like, all right, well, then let's just, instead of going through an eviction, doing all that stuff, we just basically got into a purchase agreement for the remainder of the equity. And what did you have to, what'd you have to pay him? I think he walked away with like five grand. Wow. And he could have just avoided all this bull crap up front if he would have just sold it to you up front. Well, no, he would have walked away with nothing. Yeah, well, that's true because yeah. then you would have to, I mean, yeah, you would have had to buy it for a lot more money at that point too because, but, I mean, you yeah. would have had to buy it for whatever his liens are and then give him, you know, whatever on top of that. So, yeah, that would have been rough or yeah. negotiated it. Exactly. So, um, this this guy though he he does not have very many good things to say about me because he was like just minding his own business and then basically yeah. when I decided I wanted his building he got <laughs> ran out of there well, like he was because, he was minding his own business and his business was being a credit criminal that's why I don't feel bad about misusing it. Yeah. credit <laughs> if you don't put yourself in those situations people can't do that to you and if right. if this guy really didn't want to sell and he was a good citizen that just ran a business out of there i would i would never even try to do something like that right but i'm like this guy's a crook this yeah. guy i mean let's get something back at him here <laughs> so that was right. your introduction to real estate yes so that was my first real estate transaction ever that's crazy that's a really rough one to start off with honestly yeah. like that would suck yeah but i never thought about being a real estate investor that yeah. was just what i needed for the business well then so so you, how many rentals do you have right now? Um, we've sold a ton of them. No, how many rental rentals do you have that you've kept? Kept? Yeah, I oh. know we've sold a ton of our rentals that we've. Oh, kept just right recently? Now. Yeah, yeah. But we have, we hey, have some multifamily ones. Why did you sell them? <laughs> why didn't we get any uh, call on that one? <laughs> well, half were in Indy. Okay. So there's that. I didn't know you owned rentals in Indy. Yeah. Okay. We only own two right now, two single family in Indy. Wow. And I'm, I'm trying to sell those too. Snap. I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. Um, we've got somewhere like between 15 and 20 doors right now. In Fort Wayne? Um, well, two are in Indy. Yep. And then the rest are in Fort Wayne. Okay. And you want to keep the ones in Fort Wayne or are you selling those too? No, I want to get out of anything that's not commercial. Dang. I did not know that. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, I know some guys that are actively trying to get to 80 <laughs> rentals if you guys know anybody interested in selling their properties or their rentals please let us know hey alex do you know anybody 
that might be interested mm-hmm. in selling 15 to 20 rentals in the Fort Wayne area. I actually just assigned two to you guys. What oh. you guys <laughs> Today. <laughs> like exactly. 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Dude, let's do the rest of them at this point. Like, we're ready to take them all on. I did not know you were actually getting out of, uh, like, all of your rentals, too. That's well, that's crazy. So, like, there's a, there's a 15-unit building that I'm wanting to buy, and I'm, I want to do anything over 10 units. Okay. Just because it's easier to manage or? Yeah. Um, you know, doing the the one to four family um, or unit, like single family, that sort of thing, I think is good for a lot of people. But um, I'm not trying to do high volume real estate anymore where I'm like 100 doors. I don't care if they're single family or multifamily. Um, I did a lot of the Burr strategy. And um, what I found out was it sucks to do on residential properties because even if the property cash flows really well, they don't like it's way more based on appraisal than cash flow. Yeah. You want to explain the uh, Burr strategy for anybody that's listening and doesn't understand what that is? Yeah. So um, when you traditionally buy a property and have to put 20% down or whatever, you got to use, you can only buy so many properties that way because you run out of money. Yeah. And the burst strategy gets around that in a way. And um, so what you would do is find a property that needs work or a deep enough discount or a combination of the two and uh, where you can buy it and renovate it for basically what the bank will lend it, lend it for. So you're going to buy it, renovate it, um, and then you rent it. You get a tenant in there. You get it turnkey ready to go. And then you go to the bank and say, so you refinance it and you um, say it's worth a hundred grand and you've got 70 in it and the bank's willing to lend 70, they'll write you a check for how much money you have in the property. And now you own a rental with a mortgage and you still have the 30 grand of equity. Your net worth is 30 grand more. You just don't pay tax on that and you get all your money back out of the deal. Yep. I like um, it. And cash flow every and, single yeah. month on that too. So yeah. It's a great strategy, um, especially for people that make a lot of money in a year. Like if, if you can refinance really easily, it's it's especially uh, a good strategy. Yep. But um, it still can be done without that, but it's definitely easier. So that's how you acquired as many as you did? Yeah, not all were that way. Some were turnkey. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the problem with them is when you – Let's say your your cash flow supports the seventy thousand dollar debt, right? Yep. Now, if just whatever area you're area you're in, the property values are only appraising at eighty thousand or whatever. Well, the bank's going to go off of that, so they're going to say, uh, "Well, it's only worth eighty, so we're only going to lend you fifty. And now you've got so it has nothing to do with the cash flow. It's just about the area. Yep. And that's what bugs me about residential when you get to commercial it's all about numbers right so it's all about your noi and your cap rate and so if if you buy something and you renovate it and you increase rents you don't need that much you don't need to be that intelligent to know oh it's now worth this much you could sell it at a a six cap rate or whatever and uh you really it's not as much of an opinion it's like no i here it is we bought it for this amount and even when you're buying them, the banks aren't, they don't care near as much about what you have in the deal. 
Yeah. I've tried to refinance some residential burrs, and they're like, all right, well, how much did you put into it? What would you buy it for? I'm like, what does that matter? Right. What is this asset? What are you willing to lend it on? Like, yeah. do you, that bothers me when they want to know what you buy it for and what you put into it and all that crap. Yeah. Um, so it's to me, it's much more predictable on the commercial sense where, like, um, you know, you guys do enough deals where you, you, you just hear the address and you know what you're willing to pay for it. Right. Um, and you guys have, you know, you guys have it set up like that. I'm not that focused in that sense with real estate. I've got other stuff going on. So I'm like, I can look at cap rates and NOIs, though, and determine if it's going to be a good investment for me or not. And it's pretty easy to figure out if it's under market value rent. I mean, that's that's the biggest right. thing with multifamily. Like, if you can just find a property that's been mismanaged, you can buy it and just put the right management in place and the investor doesn't even have to do that much and you can increase the property value just by doing that. Yep. Yep. I like it. Yeah. When I met you too, you were doing, um, so you weren't just buying rental properties, but you had sort of gotten out of, uh, well, you were at a point where you were ready to start buying rental properties, but you were also doing wholesaling and you created some pretty good systems to do wholesaling for people who don't know what wholesaling is. You put a house under contract with the rights to purchase it. You take that contract and then you assign that contract to a ready and able end buyer. So you never act as an agent representing a property. You're representing the terms and conditions of the paper, uh, the buying contract that you negotiate with the seller. Um, but you created some really good systems for doing that. And then you started wholesaling. How many houses do you think that you've wholesaled? It's what it's been like. It's only been like this last year that it really picked up a lot. Um, you mostly had your friends and family working for you. How many uh, properties do you think that you wholesaled? And then how much do you think you made in the last year? Yeah, um, I'm not sure how much, how, like the number of properties that we wholesaled. We had months where we uh, assigned into the 20s, though, as far as... Um, like 20 properties. 20 properties, yeah. Um, but then we've had months where we've only done three or four. So, I mean... I don't know. We'd have to do some math to figure out roughly how many how many deals that we did. But yeah, uh, when I started looking for, I really wanted to hit the burst strategy hard. Um, is when it, the market was just really hot. So you could still find deals. I actually still own some properties I've bought off the MLS, but I've it was it was kind of hard to get a deal like that. And it still is. It still can be done. It's just a, it's just a lot more work in my opinion. But um, so I started marketing directly to sellers and then we were just doing that just for ourselves and I didn't even really think about wholesaling, but then there was several times where I was like, you know what, you could probably wholesale this and we already have done the marketing. We already have it under contract and I don't really want to buy it. <laughs> so <laughs> like, let's see if we can find a buyer. So we started doing that and, and then it, it kind of, I was like, well, that was pretty freaking easy. Like that wasn't that hard to do. So then, yeah, I had some some friends and family that wanted to wanted to do stuff like that with real estate. So I was like, well, let's just you guys do the wholesaling stuff. So I put some systems together, got some people in place, and we did it for like a year. We're actually getting out of it now, um, just because it's a more of a distract. Turns out to be more of a distraction for me than anything. But um, so yeah, we you know I just treated it like any other business and get the right people and the right systems and processes in place, and then uh, it got to the point where 
I didn't really want to keep anything. I just started wholesaling everything because it's <laughs> yeah. it's almost like it's almost addicting. Like you make twenty five yeah. grand for doing nothing. It's like man, doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, we gotta we well, gotta make sure. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Dakota and I were just talking about this misconception too. I think what you were saying is true because you're like, man, wholesaling so easy. It's easy if your plan was to buy the property, get a loan against it, do the rehab, get a renter in it, manage it for 25 years. Yeah. That's when wholesaling looks easy yes. because you were planning on doing a stupid amount more work to establish relationships with banks, have them pull your credit, qualify tenants, get a good property management company, those sorts of things. That's Manage when wholesaling, <laughs> yeah, that's when wholesaling looks easy. Um, getting the property under contract is uh, still not easy at all and negotiating the price and making sure it's a good deal yeah yeah all of that stuff is very very difficult but that's just when it starts to suck because then you still have to take it to the title company and find out that it has liens like Alex yeah. was just talking about earlier like it's not easy it just yeah uh, can be a way to make a bunch of money without having systems in place for managing contractors, having the money, that sort of thing. Yep. Yeah. What do you think, uh, so what do you think, how long did you do it for? And then how much do you think you made in that amount of time on wholesale fees alone? Like let's not even count rentals, anything like that, or just wholesale fees. Well, uh, we, we wholesaled some, like when if we were gonna buy a business or have like random deals that that come up, we could get really big assignment fees for the real estate on some stuff like that. Um, so with all of that, I think we've really only did it for a year. Okay. I would say a year, like maybe just a little over a year. Um, but assignment fees, like I'm sure we've got three to 400,000 in assignment fees in that year. And how much do you think you spent in like marketing Ooh, yeah, that's that's a, that's a lot. You, know, uh, you, you never kept track of your marketing costs? No, no, no. I said that's a lot. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, we spent a lot on marketing. I mean, uh, probably ten to fifteen a month easily. Okay, so for a year, I mean, we're talking what one fifty? Yeah, one fifty yeah. to one eighty. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, paying your guys, paying and, all the guys, and doing yeah. I mean, you're not walking away with that kind of money, but right. Um, yeah, yeah, as but far it's as still... gross revenue, and, and what I mean by it, it being addicting is most people haven't really had an opportunity in their lives where they're like, oh, hey, here's a check for twenty grand, or right. and like a lot of people don't know what to what to what to think of that, and I think it it's kind of addicting in the sense of like you get the instant gratification, but the the kind of what you were going into of like why it's not that great of a thing is yeah, there's a lot more headache than what I just made it sound like, but. You also, it's just building cash. And maybe that's cool for people that are just getting started, but eventually you gotta like, okay, how am I gonna build net worth and build, actually build something that you could, you stop working in the wholesaling business and then it, it stops producing. It's just right. a very active, it's a job. Yep. Whereas if you're a focused real estate investor, you're actually building net worth and something that's gonna provide cash flow for the next 20 or 30 years. But sometimes it doesn't sound as fun as what uh, you know making 
25 grand right now right. guys to that's, someone that needs 20 grand no question dude yeah <laughs> that's always the hardest part that a lot of people like uh talk about in future flipper which is uh the coaching program that we're in with ryan pineda um is that like dude it's a lot harder to see that money but like, dude i know i could you know flip this right now and we'll make freaking thirty thousand yes. dollars and instead we're just gonna rent it out and we'll make 200 bucks a month it's like to to have that like inner voice and conversation is very difficult. It's basically like creating a savings account for yourself and you have to force yourself not to take that short term money yeah. and to, you know, invest it into your future. Absolutely. So yeah, it's, it's tempting to do for sure, but it's, it's, and I think after you do it enough, hopefully you get that out of your system and yeah. <laughs> move on. But that's, I mean, I even fell into that trap and I don't, not necessarily in that particular position, but it's just fun. It's just yeah. like collecting money. I said the nice thing that for us is we we kind of went into it going uh, more long term in the beginning, and then like I made a decent amount of money in car sales, so I got to the point where I had some money saved up, and I just didn't I didn't care about having a lot of money anymore in the bank. Like, it wasn't about making the money; it was more about our long term. Like, like what do we want to do? Like long term, that's gonna give us more freedom. It wasn't about the money ever. Um, yeah. It's more about you know freedom. Yeah. Yeah, in doing wholesaling isn't necessarily going to provide your freedom unless you have an impeccable system and team yep, in place. Team, yep. Then maybe, but you're still going to be involved. Right. You're, exactly. You're still going to be involved at some level. Yep. So we're we're getting to the, about the hour mark. So last question for Alex. That's okay. Sure. Yeah. What's next? What's next for you? You said you're getting out of real estate now. What do you want to do now, and what are you going to focus on in the future? Yeah. So I guess I'm not necessarily getting out of real estate. Just going to do less wholesaling. I'll still wholesale deals um, and then focus on the bigger multifamily. But what I like to do, what I spend most of my time doing, we didn't even scratch the surface of business buying. And um, that is a whole nother world that I feel is completely under tapped. And, uh, you know, I get a lot of people asking me about that and, and what to do or how you would do that because it's, it's a lot like real estate, but there's a lot of different stuff. But I'm shifting a lot more focus to actually marketing for businesses to buy and uh, we're going to go down that road. Nice. Yeah. I like it. Well, thanks for having me guys. Yes, sir. Tony, any last words? Um, well, I, w I was going to uh, ask him about buying his parents' house too. I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, yeah. Alex grew up in this house and you know, your dad worked hard in, uh, H, or it was um, creating insulation for HVAC. No, they so. install and so they they do the uh, so like they do commercial pipe insulation and then they do insulated metal panels. So they they put they they work in the field and install that stuff. I never got to see your other house. You know, we were always talking about how much money you made and like that sort of thing. And then Dakota actually got to go over and see your house. I never got it's to see your special. personal home. I just got the water. I only saw the kitchen. But you're The water moving, machine's where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> you're moving over to your parents' house, which is a pretty cool house. Um, and you just, you're in the process of getting approved so that you can take that house over? Possibly. We're, we're not sure exactly how it's going to lay out. But yeah, we're going to sell our house, move into there. My parents have a place in Arizona. They're going to... They spend a lot of time in, and we get along with them well. So we're 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 basically moving in together <laughs> for a little while. Do you get to keep the RZR and the jet ski? And that? We already sold that. <laughs> but yes, the jet ski. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, we already got rid of that uh, the commander. 
It's a good thing because we destroyed it. It breaks. It no, breaks every kidding. time. <laughs> it's worth like five grand now, and every time we drive it, we have to put five grand into it. So it gets totaled every time we drive it, basically. <laughs> nice. So yeah, we just we just get rid of it. Sweet. So. Cool. All right. Well, congrats on your success. We'll tag you in this video. That way, your 50 Facebook friends can see it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I got Facebook for one purpose, to run Facebook ads. Before that, yep. I, that's the only reason I've ever had Facebook. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Well, All thank right. you guys for watching. We got a um, course coming up. Yep, we got a course coming out on November 27th. So it's going to be on Black Friday. That is going to be probably just under $1,000, where we are literally going to give you everything that we know, all from contracts, the list that Tony pulls, the marketing that he targets, and then I'm gonna teach you guys some sales skills, some closes that we use, like everything that you guys need to invest in real estate, we're literally gonna put in the course. It's gonna have a course on wholesaling, flipping, and then we're gonna have another course on rentals, so stay tuned for that, and please like and subscribe, and share it. Share it. Tag a friend. Tag a friend and tell your mom. Stay tuned for the next ones. Awesome, thanks guys.